Welcome, listeners, to another exciting episode of Nintendo Podcast. Today, I am joined once again with Aronis, who's going to offer us some exciting advice on progression. Have you gone to some new planets and maybe you're hitting a wall with new missions? Or are you struggling to figure out what your next step should be to become more powerful? Well, fear not. We're going to talk about all of that today in this episode of Nintendo Podcast. My name is Evan. Let's knuckle down for a great show. So, uh, Aronis, last time we talked, obviously we went on ahead and did a uh, an intro for you, and we talked about uh, kind of what you play and how long you've been playing for. So, for today, why don't you go on ahead and open us up, telling us about uh, what frame you've been using uh, right now, what uh, what weapons you've been using lately. Yeah, so uh, I've actually been going back and working on my Excalibur Umbra a little bit. Um, you'll oh, nice. learn about him later on. Um, it's a different variant of Excalibur that you get later on through the story content. Um, and I've actually been playing around with my uh, Bratton Vandal, Leto Vandal, and my Fang Prime. Uh, kind of trying to go back on some old throwback weapons, trying to get them uh, kind of advanced a little bit further, see if I can take them into later game content. Nice. So I actually, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, in our last episode, I was talking with C13 and uh, he was kind of teasing me because I've been playing with Fang Prime <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, that's actually supposed to be a real bad weapon. Uh, is uh, it? Uh, is it? So fun, how though. do you feel about it? Any weapon can be good. Honestly, like that's that's part of the beauty of Warframe. And I think actually with how what we're going to be talking about today, I think we're going to kind of touch on that briefly um but there there essentially is a system in the game that is placed there to make it so that any weapon can be viable cool yeah i uh, i know that it's maybe not necessarily uh the most meta weapon but i've had a ton of fun with fang prime as well uh, but that's one of the things i actually talked about with c13 was that that fact that you know it's kind of cool that some weapons are not going to be good for some people some weapons are going to be great for some people uh and then you just have a lot of players who are like you know what i don't care about meta i'm just going to play what i have fun with yeah i mean honestly i think that's the best way you can go really is just play with the weapons that you enjoy they don't have to be the meta weapons i mean you don't have to you don't have to run a perfect build running like nidus and a phantasma in every single mission you know you can play with what you like i mean it's like i talked about last time i was actually on the show banshee is not necessarily the best frame end game but i like her she's fun nice so, um, all right, let's go on ahead and jump in for our, our topic for today, which is progression. So for me, at least, I don't know if this is what it's like for every newer player, but for me, progression seems kind of opaque. It's one of those things where I'm like early in the game, I, it's easy for me to grasp, build a better weapon and you get stronger. But once you hit the point where actually where I am at right now, uh, I've got a lot of level 30 gear. I'm rocking a, a level 30 Excalibur. Uh, I even potato the Excalibur. So I've got, I've got decent mods. Uh, but I still, I feel like I'm hitting a wall. I'm jumping into new missions and I'm just not dishing out enough damage and I'm not really sure where to go next. So today we're going to talk a little bit about progression and kind of uh, what that looks like. So yeah. I guess the first question I want to tackle, and this is something maybe for more for our newer players, but uh, what is it that you gain when items or frames level up? So whenever an item or a frame levels up, you will gain uh, mastery rank, which is integral uh, mastery rank just in general or mastery. Um, to get to the new mastery ranks um, is kind of what lets you essentially progress as you're moving on to higher and higher missions. It's the stuff that allows you to get new equipment that's higher level and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you also, uh, when you hit a, like 
level 30 on a weapon, every single level on that weapon or Warframe gives you another slot for mod capacity. Mod capacity obviously being what allows you to modify your weapons to make them stronger, to add more things like fire rate and crit chance and stuff like that. Awesome. So, so what about, uh, what about MR? What are you gaining? And I know you kind of already just touched on this, but what do you get when you uh, increase your MR to the next rank? So increasing your mastery rank, I actually pulled the list up here. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so higher mastery ranks give you um, more weapons and frames that you can play as, obviously. Um, and also certain mods in certain situations, uh, certain things are locked behind a mastery rank. Um, it increases the starting base mod capacity of all your unranked equipment. So say, for example, your mastery rank five, uh, the next weapon that you get, that's a brand new. You'll notice that when you start with that weapon, you're going to have five mod capacity at the start. And it's not extra mod capacity. It just gives you a head start. So that's awesome. Where, where I'm sitting at, geez, what mastery rank am I? 19, uh, at 19, any item that's catalysted right off the bat, I have 28 mod capacity and it makes it so much easier to run stuff when you're a higher level, uh, when you've got that kind of kickstart. Um, increasing your mastery rank allows you to do an extra trade every day. Um, you oh, get cool. one trade per mastery rank uh, a day. Um, I believe there's something to do with extractors, but I'm not entirely sure about that in extraction missions um, or excavation missions, something like that. Um, okay. it raises the maximum void trace capacity that you can get through fissures. And I don't know how much you've touched on fissures and relics so far, but not much. Um, yeah. That, that's something for another time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it increases the daily maximum of focus points that you can get. And that's something that we'll touch on way later. Um, and it raises the cap on your maximum daily syndicate standing. So uh, all your syndicates, all of your other uh, places that you can be like yeah, on Fortuna or on the plains of Edelon, it, it increases the amount of standing that you can get for them per day. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so actually, I guess maybe a good way to sum things up, um, the leveling up an item leveling up a frame, uh, even increasing your MR doesn't directly make you more powerful. If I understand correctly, it just unlocks more ways that you can become powerful. Right. So the, the big thing with that is that the, the, the end goal when it comes to raising your mastery rank is you are trying to get your mastery rank up so that you can get more powerful equipment. Um, it, it's like you said, you've been running with a Fang Prime, and though, it, you know, we can we can say all day, you know, play with the weapons that you think are fun, play with the weapons that you want. If you want, if you're finding yourself hitting a wall, you're going to need to get some new equipment that's closer to what your mastery rank is. And as you kind of look through the blueprints on the shop and in the research of your clan dojo, um, you'll see that there are weapons that are locked behind mastery rank. Usually a higher rank mastery weapon is a lot more powerful, and there's reasons why there's weapons like the Tigris Prime that are locked behind such a an insane cap on how much uh, you know mastery rank you need to have. We- weapons sure. like that have a mastery rank requirement of like thirteen. Oh jeez. So yeah, it's and so uh, one thing to keep in mind is, is essentially you can level up your weapons and your equipment, and everything. Mastery rank. Think of that as your player level. That is what level you are sitting at. Okay. Um, cool. And so uh, the higher up that goes, the more powerful equipment you'll be able to use, the more of a head start you'll have on uh, lower rank equipment, which is always, always helpful. Um, And it's just, it's something that you want to strive for. You want to make sure that whenever you get to that point where, you know, you can look up in the top left of your screen and see that the mastery rank bar underneath your icon is flashing. You want to go take that mastery rank as soon as you can. Definitely. Definitely. 
So I guess that's why, uh, listeners, if you've heard, uh, C13 and Aronis both have mentioned the fact that having a high MR doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you know, default more powerful than another player. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that you're better than another player. It just means that you've played a lot more. So remember, even when you hit those higher MRs, even when a gun levels up, you need to make sure that you're going after mods, you're getting new equipment, and you're getting better stuff because you're not innately more powerful just because you've leveled up a mastery rank. Right, right. So I guess my next question then will be, and actually we got a couple different questions we're going to hit on. I'm not really sure the best order uh, to go through these, so let's just let's just swing for the fences here. Uh, no, we're not. The first question that comes to mind for me is, when an item hits level 30, what should I do? Should I right off the bat jump in and get a different item? Should I try to uh, to potato that item? Should I what what should I do? So my recommendation personally, this is just me. Uh, you asked if you should potato the item. Personally, myself, I run a weapon up until the point where I get it to about mastery rank 15, or not mastery rank, but I get it up to level 15, and then if I like the weapon enough, I'm usually pretty willing to catalyst it by then, because then you can start taking it to to your primary progression missions a little bit easier. Okay, cool. Um, I know that that's not always readily available for a lot of people because there's a lot of people that are playing Warframe as a totally free experience. I am a chump and have spent way more money than I probably should have. <laughs> I understand. Um, <laughs> friendly reminder that if you're on PC and you've got Discord Nitro, you can get like 550 free platinum through that. Um, Jeez. Yeah, it's nice. Um, but yeah, uh, when a weapon hits level 30, essentially what you have done with that weapon is you've mastered it, quote unquote. Um, it's at a point where you're not going to be able to get any more mastery rank out of it. And if you do something like form of the weapon, uh, the weapon isn't going to give you more mastery after it's formed. It's you hit it at 30 and then it's done. Um, that being said, if you feel like you don't need to form of the weapon, I wouldn't bother with it too much. Um, it's a situation where if you're feeling like it's powerful enough and you feel like you can't really take it any further, um, it's already catalysted. You're thinking, yeah, this weapon's pretty solid where it is. There's not really any reason to really form it. Um, you'll see some people have done some things where they take weapons that are incredibly weak and they will form them ludicrous amounts of times. I think I remember hearing something a couple years back about someone that took this, the the Mark One Breton and form it a hundred times. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, and, and it's at that point where it doesn't. It, it's not even needed. Like honestly, you're not really going to get much out of any weapon if you form it any more than eight times. Because sure, um, there's only eight polarity slots for you to actually change up. So, um, yeah, uh, when an item hits level thirty, honestly, if you're having fun with it, if it's still working for you, it's a it's a good idea to just hang on to it and keep using it. If it's a situation where you're finding that it's underpowered and you think that you can make it better, form me. If it's in a situation where you don't think you're going to be able to make this thing any better, it might be time to look for a new weapon. Okay, cool. So since we brought it up, uh, do you mind giving just a quick description of what it means to use a catalyst and what it means to use Forma on an item, just in case our listeners don't know? Yeah. So uh, when you get a weapon by default, um, rather when you build a weapon or uh, typically, yeah, it's all weapons are pretty much built except for the training ones. Um the weapon will, by default, have a zero mod capacity when you first start off with it. Um, depending on your mastery rank, that will go up based on how you start with it and everything like that. Um, when the weapon hits level 30, you'll have a total of 30 mod capacity. If you're looking at the weapon and you're noticing, hey, I've got a lot of mod slots here and I don't really have enough capacity to fill these, it's because your weapon isn't potatoed or catalysted. Um, Basically, using a catalyst, um, they do alerts for catalyst blueprints uh, pretty regularly whenever there's a dev stream. Uh, the Warframe team streams typically every other Friday, uh, and then they do these little alert missions that pop up called the Gifts of the Lotus, where they give away reactors and yeah, catalysts yeah. for pretty nice little missions. Um, those are 
to be used sparingly if you're not willing to buy them because they're 20 platinum each otherwise. Um, But the weapons um, and warframes that you're going to put your catalysts and reactors, reactors being for your warframes, your sentinels, your pets, um, and the catalyst being for all your weapons, you want to make sure that you're using them on weapons that you really, really like because those putting a catalyst or a reactor on a weapon, warframe, pet, anything like that doubles their mod capacity. If it had 30, it's got 60. Yeah. Um, there are some little exclusions to the rule on that in some instances. Um, there's one particular weapon that you discover later on in the story content um, that is essentially a great sword that has a unique mechanic to it where every time that you forma it up to a maximum, I, I believe five forma, it gains two mod capacity, giving oh, wow. you a total of 70 by the end of it, which is very nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's or rather no i think when it's catalyst i think it goes up to 80 actually um which yeah it's it's something that you it's it's designed to be an end game weapon in in the sense of you know keep investing your time into this weapon because it's going to keep getting better and better up until point um but yeah uh, forming weapons essentially whenever you form a weapon or or frame or anything like that um it will consume the forma again i think forma are a little bit cheaper i think you can get like three forma for like 15 plat i think that's something um Typically, when it comes to using a Forma, what's going to happen is you are going to use it on your piece of equipment, and it is going to reset its level back to zero. But after having reset its level back to zero, you will have a chance to change one of the polarity slots for one of your mods on it. So say, for example, you didn't have enough room for that point-blank mod on your on your weapon. Well, yeah, you can Forma it to make it so that the polarity matches that point-blank mod, and now you're going to be able to fit, you know, more mods in those slots. Um, that's really good for later on in the game when you're getting to situations where you've got a Warframe that has um, a particular build you're trying to go for, and you've got a max rank vitality mod that's going to take up 20 mod slots. It's right. useful to have that forma so that you can match the polarity on any Warframe that you've got. Yeah, for sure. So I guess for me, I'm I'm not a totally free-to-play player. I think I've only spent like 15 bucks or so on the game, but I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to spending platinum but i try to be frugal and so for me like with uh with my uh reactors the only thing that i have put a reactor or catalyst on uh was uh excalibur because excalibur was a frame that i really liked and was having a lot of fun with and i know you know you can get primes and you can get things like that later on but i thought excalibur (laughs) is probably going to be a frame that i'm going to use for a while and he's versatile enough that i know i can use him as i'm getting into those harder missions maybe where i i don't want to bring my weaker stuff Um, but other than that, I've kind of been holding on to those things as I get them just because I'm kind of paranoid. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Am I doing that right? Should I be a little bit more, uh, risk taker with that kind of stuff? Personally, I think if you're willing to spend like a little bit of money, but not really going to too much, I think you're smart to save them. Um, honestly, it's, it's a thing where you're going to be able to get them later. I mean, if you keep playing long enough, you will and inevitably fall into the hole of wanting to buy more. Prime access is going to look real alluring at one point. You're going to sure. go, mm. <laughs> um, But um, by the way, prime access is a fantastic way. If you're looking to get platinum, prime access is a really, really good way of getting that because awesome. they give you they give you the amount of platinum that you pay for, and then they also give you the primes out of it. So it's it's a good little bundle deal for you. But anyways, um, the the big thing when it comes to using your catalyst reactors, forma, everything like that. I would say forma are a lot more easier to come by. You're going to come across those a lot when you start doing void fisher missions and stuff like that. Okay. Um, they're, they're a lot more of a common resource. There's a reason why they are 15 for three instead of 20 per. Sure. Um, 
the catalysts and reactors come by typically for events. Um, that's typically the case. And so it's kind of a rare occurrence when they kind of show up. So you want to kind of conserve them for when you're really going to like them. Honestly, you made a really, really good choice in putting your cattle or your reactor on uh, Excalibur. He is fantastic. Just he, Excalibur carries through the whole game. He is so just incredibly well-rounded for that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, I would say, at some point, if you're finding yourself starting to get in that situation where you're not really finding yourself with enough room for a lot of your mod capacity and everything like that, it might be worth it for you to form him. Um, and I don't know if this is entirely a thing yet, but have you looked into what the Exilus adapters do yet? Uh, no, I don't, I don't even think I've heard of that. Okay, so... This is actually a fun thing. Have you ever noticed uh, when you look at your uh, Warframe loadout screen, specifically for your Warframe and its mod slots, how right up next to where your aura mod goes, up on the top right of there, there's another box that's kind of grayed out and has like a locked symbol over yeah, it. Yeah. You ever noticed that one? I have. So that is your Exilus slot. Uh, Exilus slots are used for essentially most of the time, as far as I'm aware, movement-based mods. Oh, cool. Uh, you'll have mods that will personally, I know on every Warframe that I've got, I have um, a couple of them now. Um, actually, get that open here. Um, there is a mod that I typically use called Ice Spring. Um, Ice Spring gives you more bullet jump velocity. Um, it gives you more duration to your aim gliding and your ability to latch to walls. And it also leaves a cold proc when you do a bullet jump. So it leaves behind a little ice shard wherever you do a bullet jump. And anything that's near you when you bullet jump away gets hit with that ice proc. Oh, cool. Um, these mods are rare. They are worth a fair bit, and they are very, very fun to have. But uh, Exilus adapters um, unlock that slot for you, essentially. Um, you can buy them for platinum. I think they cost about as much as a, a catalyst or a reactor does. Um, but there's also other ways of getting them in-game. I don't entirely recall them off the top of my head, but I think that there's a way that you can do it through the Plains of Edelon. Um it was kind of around the time that that was introduced. Um, but yeah, it's it's very nice to have that. Um, you can only put Exilus slots in, or Exilus mods into that slot, though. It is it is limited to that only. Oh, okay. So it's it's something that, you know, if you don't have any Exilus mods that you particularly want to put there, um, I wouldn't worry about it too, too much. Again, it's like essentially putting another reactor on your Warframe. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, can be kind of a pricey endeavor, but it, it's nice to have, especially when you're looking towards the progression towards endgame. Um, having an Exilus mod like that or having an Exilus mod, something like Endurance Drift, which gives you more energy and higher parkour velocity. Um, mods like that can be very, very useful later on. Um, so that's kind of just something to look forward to as far as progression goes. Awesome. So, okay, the the next thing that I've kind of wondered about, you know, classically in our in RPG games, uh, if you want to level up faster, you can take on harder missions. You know, usually you're going to get less XP for doing lower level things. But I I don't know if uh, I don't know if there actually is an official answer to this. But in your opinion, do you prefer to uh, try to do harder missions to try to get your gear leveled up? Is that efficient, or do you think it's better to just kind of blast through a bunch of easier missions with a squad and try to you know rush down a lot? So I would say work with your skill level. Um, if it's a situation where you are finding yourself being able to absolutely breeze through missions, challenge yourself a little bit. Try to go for something a little bit higher. Try to go for something that you're uncomfortable with. And if you're just trying to level up equipment, um, as I said, your mastery rank climbs, your mastery rank goes a little bit higher and higher every time that you do those exams, you're getting more mod capacity right off the bat. So you can start doing higher level content every single time that you get a new mastery rank. And you start off with new equipment, you can start off on a higher level mission. Um, 
personally, when you get to the point where I'm at, it gets to a situation where I'm like, okay, I've got a brand new Warframe. I'm going to go take this to a level 30 defense mission and grind it out for a half an hour. <laughs> and by the end of that, I'll probably be level 30 and it'll be great. Um, it, it's a situation where you definitely want to work with your skill level and you want to work with the weapons that you have. Sure. Um, I, I'm not about to go into one of those level 30 missions with a brand new Warframe and a little dinky Mark one bow and everything like that. <laughs> I'm going to bring decent, at least one piece of decent equipment is what I usually recommend. If you're going to go into higher level missions and you're trying to kind of grind up gear to get it to the point where you want to be able to use it officially on those missions, try it out, feel it out. If it's not working out in the middle of the mission, keep going with the mission and just switch to the weapon that you brought with you. That's the higher level. Like say, for example, you brought a, a level 30 secondary that you're pretty proficient with, but you're trying out like a cross primary and you're like "Eh, i'm not really feeling this switch over to that secondary start killing stuff with it you're going to get the affinity on the crossbow anyways so it's a situation where it kind of helps you grind that out a little bit faster but it it is worth mentioning that you do get more mastery for using the weapon so if you're going into higher level missions like that and you're thinking i can handle this if you're bringing a low level weapon with you it's going to level up real fast if you're using it for the whole mission but if you're not using it for the mission you're going to run into issues with um you know it's taking forever to level this weapon up because I'm not actually using it um, sure and that's another situation where I always recommend you know say for example you've got a primary that you really really want to run with um, and you're thinking, oh, well, I want to try and get this leveled up as fast as I can, so what am I going to do to fix this? Well, I'm going to go take on a level 20 mission that's going to be a little bit higher level than what I think I can probably handle with this weapon. I'm going to try it out, see if it works well. If it doesn't, I'm going to bring my melee weapon with me that's level 30, and I've got it catalysted, and I've got this thing formatted, and I'm ready to go with it. It's my main. And if you are trying to efficiently level up a piece of equipment, bring less equipment. And that is something that I feel like doesn't get touched on a lot. Yeah. Um, If you are in a situation where you're saying, I want to get this primary leveled up as fast as I can, and you find yourself in a situation where you're like, I don't really use my secondary all that often. You can unequip your secondary. And all the affinity that you're going to get for the mission is going to get split between your Warframe, your... primary and your melee weapon because you took one less thing all the experience that would be going to the secondary gets spread out more evenly amongst your other weapons that's awesome and if you've got higher level rank weapons and everything like that too if you've got a bunch of level 30s and you're bringing just like a level zero weapon with you this thing is going to level up way faster because all the affinity is going towards it sure so I guess the thing that I kind of paralleled it to when I first started playing the game was uh, the way that XP share works in Pokemon, <laughs> where yeah. you've got your your whole party, and if they don't go into battle, they're still going to get XP, but it's not going to be a ton. Um, but then if you're you know if you're taking fewer things, then it doesn't get divided as far. And it's it's also good to point out too, if I understand correctly, um, that even your level 30 stuff still takes a share of that affinity. So if you've got all level 30 gear and one level five thing, it's still only going to get a quarter of the affinity um, because the other things are kind of robbing from it. Right, right. So that's why, you know, you want to try to live can. And I mean, sometimes you get into situations where there's certain Warframes that kind of benefit off of stuff like that. I know specifically Mesa is one of them. Um, I can actually pull it up here to find out what exactly it was. Uh, Mesa's passive, which by the way, I don't know if you've really touched on that too, too much, but every Warframe has a passive that not everyone really knows about because they just kind of dive in on the Warframe. Yep. When you look on your ability <laughs> screen, that passive is in the bottom left there and it kind of tells you what's unique about the Warframe and how it's little passive stuff works. Um, 
Mesa in particular shoots dual wielded sidearms faster, reloads single handed sidearms more rapidly. So she's got more of an affinity towards sidearms. If you have a Mesa and you're working to try and level up some secondaries, you know, don't take your other things. She gets more health when she doesn't have a melee weapon. So if you unequip your primary and your melee weapon, you're only bringing pistols. She's going to have more health and she's going to be able to use the sidearms more effectively. So that's awesome. Sometimes there's little things that you can do to kind of expedite the process. Sure, man, that's that's really good info because that's something like you said I haven't touched on that. So that's that's fantastic. So okay, the next question that's come up for me that I've had people directly ask me and that I've wondered as well: How the heck does the difficulty level of missions work? What do those numbers mean? Is there any kind of like like tangible thing to compare it to? Like you know, I've had people that have asked me, "Hey, if this is a level fifteen mission, does that mean that I need to have all level fifteen gear or something?" Uh, how do those difficulty levels work? So. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the leveling system in Warframe is stupid. Uh, <laughs> to put it quite simply, it's stupid. It, the way that they level missions makes absolutely zero sense. Um, essentially, you kind of want to eyeball it based on your skill level and where your mastery rank is. It's a situation where I would say you don't really want to touch missions on Pluto, which are hovering around, uh, you know, they say level 32 to 36 or so like that. You probably don't want to touch those until you're probably like mastery rank six or seven until you've got a point where you're sitting on equipment that you're feeling pretty comfortable with and feeling like you can take on essentially it's so hard to explain because this is such a weird, <laughs> difficult thing. The The leveling system in Warframe makes zero sense because they're like, okay, well, we've got your your level on your Warframe and your weapons goes up to 30, but 30 is not the cap because you can form everything, but then also you've got mastery rank to deal with. And it's, <laughs> sure. My my head spins when I try to think about it. But so, um, the, yeah, the, the, the big thing is that when it comes to looking at the levels on the star map, you just kind of want to eyeball it based on how well you're doing in the game. If you think that you can take on the world and you jump into a Pluto mission and you get clowned on within the first five minutes of the match <laughs> and you're thinking, all right, maybe this isn't quite for me, you know, take a step back a couple planets, take kind of feel out where you are. It, it's honestly, it's, it's not like how it used to be back in the old days where it was the old revive system was you got four revives a day. And if you wanted more of them, you had to pay platinum for them. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm glad they did away with that system. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, you can afford to go into a mission and if you get, you know, if you get wrecked in the early stage of the mission and you find out, okay, well, I'm not ready for this yet, you can kind of feel around and figure out where you need to be. Um, That's awesome. If you're, if you're thinking that you're not quite strong enough for it yet and you are having difficulties, peel it back a couple planets, try to build up some new equipment that's going to be higher mastery rank and then take those in there to see if it works out for you. Sure. So I'm sure my uh, listeners are going to get tired of hearing me give metaphors because I have a metaphor for everything. But to me, uh, you know, the first thing that I assumed and that I think a lot of people assume is that it's like any other RPG where a lot of times if it's like an open world thing, you'll see, hey, this area is only suited for people that are level 15 to 18 or whatever. And there's that Uh easy comparison. I'm under leveled. I'm not ready yet. But to me, Warframe, it's it's almost kind of like, you know, spicy food (laughs) where I can say, you know, seeing a level 30 mission is going to be harder than seeing a level 20. You know, if you see this crazy, crazy hot hot sauce is going to be a whole lot 
harder than than mild hot sauce. But everybody's tolerance is different. Everybody's skill level is different. What's hot to me may not be hot to you and vice versa. So for me, I found like, you know, right now where I'm at in my gear, I jumped in and said, hey, uh, I'm trying to new load out with my Rhino. Uh, he's not super high level at the moment. He's a pretty, uh, he's a frame I haven't used a ton. So I tried a level, like a level 15 mission and was like, okay, this is a little bit easy for me. Uh, so I jumped in and I tried another that was like a level 20 to 22 mission. And that was like, okay, this is probably my sweet spot. Um, and like you're saying with no, with no real, uh, punishment for failing, uh, other than just a little bit of lost time, you, you can feel your way around. And once you've played long enough, you'll get a good sense of saying, okay, with the stuff that I have on this frame, I'm probably ready for X leveled mission. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I, I myself even found myself in like situations where now where I've put so much time into the game, I can look at a mission and go, yeah, I can handle that. Or I can look at a mission and go, ah, well, maybe I want to bring some of my stronger equipment for this one because of what it is. And, and a lot of that does come with the experience too, because as you progress through missions, you'll also start to notice that new enemy types are showing up because the higher level the mission is, the more enemy types that can show up. Um, it, it's a situation where you kind of want to, you know, you just kind of learn it as you're progressing. You're going to find yourself looking at the map and saying, okay, well, I want to take this piece of equipment. I want to take this warframe and I want to take this melee weapon to this planet because the wet, the enemies that are here are weak to this, but they also have that one thing that bothers me a lot. Like something tethers you to the ground. And so I need a warframe with strong mobility to get away from it. Um, there, there's just kind of a, there's a divide there where you kind of want to work out where you stand in the game. And it's, it's like you said, with the, uh, with the whole spicy metaphor, you know, everyone's tolerance levels are different. I've got a friend of mine who plays the game brute forcing his way through everything. He will, (laughs) he will mash his head against a level 35 mission until he wins it, no matter what it takes. And he likes that challenge that it provides. You know, the enemies sure. feel like they're giving a lot more pushback because he's using lower level equipment with a high level mission and he kind of gets a rush out of it. So, it, you know, it's it's kind of whatever you want to do. Cool. Yeah, I, uh, I I really love that about Warframe and kind of the flexibility that 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 gives. So um, we're about the 30 minute mark. So let's go on ahead. Uh, this will be our, our last topic for today's interview. Um, let's talk a little bit about the mod system and how that works and how that affects progression. Uh, so I guess to kind of kickstart that conversation, um, what should newer players really be focusing on when they go into the mod screen and when they look at their mods on their gear for the first time? So when it comes to looking at your mods, you you definitely want to check. um, The the number one thing I always say for this is know your Warframe. Mm. You've been playing with Excalibur a bunch. Yep. You know, you kind of get a feel for how Excalibur works and everything. Have you ever kind of taken the time to look at just see what his base stats are before you equip any mods? No, not really. (laughs) So by default, from what I'm able to see here on mine, I've got a level three Excalibur sitting here. Um, I'm seeing that he's got, you know, a decent armor rating. He's got okay energy. He's got decent health and decent shields. Everything's relatively balanced, but he's got a relatively high armor. <clears throat> you want to try and see if you can focus on what A, uh, what their strengths are, and B, what you prefer. For the longest time, mm-hmm. I built every Warframe going, I need as much shields as I can have. There's some Warframes that have incredibly low shield values, and if you put a high-level shield mod on them, it's not going to do much to them. Sure. There's Warframes, like, I think Ivara is one of the examples. Ivara has 
like one of the lowest shield caps in the game because her whole element is stealth and trying not to get seen. So yeah, yeah. she has a lot more of a situation where you want to build for stuff like sprint speed and you want to build up her abilities. Um, there, there are some Warframes that I kind of classify under categories, and this is just personally how I've always looked at it. There are tanky Warframes. They've got high uh, armor, high health. Sometimes they've got pretty decent energy pools. They're designed to be built with high health, high armor mods, and lots of um, you know equipment that's going to kind of complement that. Um, you've got your caster frames, ones that typically tend to have a bit of a lower armor and their shields are typically on average a little bit higher and their energy pools are a lot higher. These are the ones that you want to focus on getting your energy capacity up. You want to focus on getting, you know, shield capacity up for survivability reasons um, and sure. maybe not, not focus so much on their health and armor because it's not really going to affect it too much. Um, it, it, you want to kind of look at the stats of your frame and figure out what is going to work best for this particular frame. Okay. Um, as far as it goes with weapons and everything, obviously you want to damage as you can have um as you kind of progress through the game you are going to find yourself in situations where you're going to have more mods that have the damage on them that can be placed on top of say for example for a primary um you've got serration it's your standard you know it's your standard rifle damage mod um you can build that one up a bunch but one thing for a lot of weapons that people try to build on is to try to build for multi-shot uh, multi-shot essentially in some situations can double your damage output if wow. i've got a rifle that's shooting you know two bullets at a time instead of just one <laughs> sure obviously double out the damage output goes you know double um personally i'm just looking at one of my weapons that i've got up right now um my naga crossbow that i've been using lately um has a serration mod on it for damage increase um i've got a shred mod on it shred is one of those rare mods that you're going to find later on um, that gives you increased fire rate and gives you punch through on your projectiles. It's really, really useful for crossbows, especially, whereas they pump out projectiles that, you know, don't always kill. The projectiles are going to punch through a target and go through someone behind them. Mm, um, yeah. Building for the strengths of the weapon, just like you do for your Warframe. You know, if you've got a weapon like, like the Nagantaka, it's primarily slash damage. If you're putting impact damage mods on this thing, you're going to say, hey, I'm having a really hard time figuring <laughs> out where my damage is going. Sure. Um, building well, for the crit chance, building for the status chance. There's a lot to just kind of observe what your weapon strengths are and build off of them. Sure. You know, a, a lot of games are going to say like, hey, you pick up this item and it's got, you know, 50 damage. And so you're going to mm -hmm. see another item that does 57 and that's a clear flat upgrade. No matter your character class, it's a flat upgrade. But the mods don't really work that way in Warframe. They're all percentage based. So like you're saying, it's, it's really best if you kind of lean with the wind rather than leaning against it. Because if I've got, you know, if you've got a, a Warframe that's got... 200 shield then 50 percent extra is going to give him an extra 100 whereas if you've got a warframe that's only got 100 shield to start 50 percent is only going to give him an extra 50 so i mean leaning into the way that your character is made is definitely going to give you a, a better uh, i'd say a better uh cap to the level that, that you can reach basically you're going to get more power leaning with the wind than you are against it yeah definitely and i mean like kind of building off of what you said too uh Say if you've got two weapons, weapon A and weapon B both do 50 damage. Weapon A has a crit chance of 35. Weapon B has a crit chance of 40. 
you're going to put crit mods on those guys. You're going to increase the critical chance. They go up by a percentage. Weapon B is going to do more. Even though the damage is the same, yep. your critical chance is going to go up. And therefore, you should probably be using that one because your crit chance is going to be higher. You're going to be able to deal more damage, which... I, I cannot stress this enough. Crit weapons are one of my favorite things in this game. Not every weapon is a crit weapon. <laughs> it's something that you can try to brute force it all you want, but don't do it. It's a bad idea. It's a really expensive investment to build up all the mods that you're going to need to try and make that weapon a crit weapon. Yeah. And there's a lot of situations where you're going to look at a weapon and you're going to say, ah, oh, well, it's got a really, really high status chance, but I really wanted to build for a crit weapon. Don't be afraid of the status chance. Status chance can be incredibly good if you know how to use it right. Uh, there's situations where I think it's the corrosive proc in particular. Do you use that corrosive proc and you manage to get that off on an enemy that's heavily armored? You're going to melt their armor away and it's going to make it all take them out. You know, it, status chances are completely viable in a lot of situations. I understand that they're not, you know, the particular flavor that everyone likes to kind of play around with a lot of people much rather you know build for crit weapons and personally i'm sure belong to that crowd um but sometimes you just kind of get that perfect blend of saying well hey this weapon's not really meant for crits but i see that it's got an incredibly high status chance if i build for that i'm going to be able to increase my damage output a lot and if i want to build it for crits later i'll just form it a couple times and once i get it formed i can kind of put on those crit that i wanted to fit on sure and i mean you've got situations where some weapons are just really good all around that nagantaka crossbow i've been using right now where it's modded i've got it at a 70 percent status chance and a 33 percent crit chance with a critical multiplier of 4.6 this thing does damage like a, it hits like a bus <laughs> and it's a fully automatic crossbow so it's it's something that you know you kind of want to play around with mod configurations and do not be afraid to experiment with your weapons either if you're definitely you've got a comfort zone where you're sitting with your weapons where you're saying well i usually use crit weapons don't be afraid to kind of touch the other ones because sometimes you find weapons that you really really enjoy that may not necessarily be viable for the build that you're looking for but there's stuff that you say well hey i can use this in another situation I, I think I remember hearing back when uh, Mesa Prime Access first came out, the Redeemer Prime launched, and there was a little bit of pushback on the Redeemer Prime because this weapon does not have a very good crit chance. Its crit chance, I think, is a base of like 16%, and people were like, well, I wanted to build this thing for crits. You, build, you mod this thing upright, it gets a status chance of almost 100%. Wow. Every single hit on it is going to Man. give you a proc of whatever proc you've got on it. That's and great. If it's, if it's a blast proc... You're going to run into a crowd, swing this thing at someone once, and everyone in the crowd is going to fall over. It's, <laughs> it's a situation where you want to play around with these possibilities. And I mean, don't be afraid to try out new things with your mods capacity. You know, don't be, don't be afraid to kind of play around with a mod setup that you're not used to. Because, I mean, it's like I said before, there's not really any penalty to losing in a mission. Or even if you are, you've got two other weapons on your side that you'd be able to use in that mission in case this mod you know, setup goes wrong. So definitely pl play around with it. So last question then uh, about mods. Uh, obviously, you can wait for wait for RNG. You can pray to RNGs us to get the mods that you want. But at the end of the day, that's not exactly efficient. Are there other ways that you can go after specific mods that you want? Or is RNG just your only or best bet? So RNG is definitely a really, really big game. Unfortunately, it's something that you kind of need to rely on for certain situations. Um, one thing that is worth mentioning, and I, you know, I, as much as I'd like to say, you know, we should be able to just rely on the codex for everything in game. Use the wiki. 
the wiki is so handy for things like this. If you've got a particular like stance mod or something that you want, but there's one particular enemy that drops it and you just don't know what that is, look it up on the wiki. I guarantee you, you're going to find your answer. You know, they're, they're going to tell you, Oh, so uh, Drake, our butchers drop this stance mod. So you're going to need to go hunt down them specifically. It's going to make your grind a little bit easier. And even if their drop chances aren't the highest, it's better than just wildly flailing around at every Grenier mission, trying to find this one stance mod that you have no <laughs> idea where it comes from. For sure. And the the big thing that I can say is that there are mods that you can get guaranteed for sure. When you start dipping into the syndicates a little bit, there are particular augment mods for both your weapons and for your warframes that you're going to be able to get from particular, um, you know, specific uh, syndicates. They're going to be a situation where you want to get the mods that you are looking for from them and then if there's one where say for example i personally went with cephalon suda and arbiters of hexus for my two big uh syndicates that i run with the other ones stuff like new loca and everything like that new loca has a bunch of mods and weapons that i really really wanted that's where the trading comes in you know communicate with your fellow tenno it 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 pays to kind of be social in this game like we had said before with the clan maybe there's someone in your clan that runs new loca and they can sell you that mod for 15 plat or something like that and you know people are willing to compromise for stuff like that people are always in need of platinum and sometimes later game a lot of players find themselves with too much syndicate standing and they don't know what to do with it they're willing to trade those mods off to you for plat so i mean if you're trying to get mods trading is a really really good way of getting them you know Mm. always check with your clan members first because obviously that's helping support your clan it's helping you support a lot of the situations where you are going to be you know trying to communicate with your your teammates essentially um if none of them can really help you out with it or something like that, um, go to the public market board, talk to people, see if you can find out where you might be able to get the mod. If people are asking, you know, overpriced for it and you're saying, well, I just kind of want to go out and grind it. Um, you can typically ask them and they'll probably tell you where they found it. Um, there are certain mods that you can get through, um, I think it's called a synthesis transmutation. Okay. Um, Transmutation, essentially you go to your mod terminal in your ship, and there's a transmute button there. You select uh, four unranked mods for a chance at a rare mod. Um, Oh, cool. You can essentially merge together mods that you're finding that you're not going to sell them or anything like that, or you don't need endo out of them or anything like that. Sure. Um, You can just transmute them together. It does cost credits, and when you start doing it with rare mods, it gets kind of pricey. But the higher rank the mods that you're transmuting together, the uh, better the chance of you getting a rare mod out of it is. And not every mod is achievable through this transmutation process. There are a lot of them that are kind of locked behind. You have to actually grind for them or get them from another purpose. But um, it's a good way of kind of rolling the dice a little bit here. Say you've got a ton of vital sense mods that you're not really using for anything you can plug those away into the transmutation and you can use them to see if you can get something that you didn't even know existed out of it that's awesome yeah so uh i guess my last piece of advice and then i'll I'll see if you have any more for uh for the road my last piece of advice would be uh endo related i know when i started fusing my mods and trying to get them more powerful i really quickly ran out of endo um the the quickest fix for me with that was just joining a clan and that ascension ceremony really boosted up the amount of affinity that or not affinity but uh endo that i was getting uh but then the next thing that i've discovered are those crazy little ayatan 
and treasure hunts. I kept seeing those alerts pop up and I just completely ignored them because I didn't know what they were. And there's just a lot to Warframe, obviously. So I ignored those. And then I discovered, hey, this is a fantastic source of Indo. So uh, maybe in a future episode, we'll dig a little bit more into what those treasure hunts are like. But my quick tip for you, if you're trying to get more powerful, you don't have enough Indo, uh, do those weekly treasure hunts. There's not a huge amount of, of types of treasure hunts. So what I did, honestly, I went to YouTube and I looked up a video that gave a walkthrough of how to do the treasure hunts because uh, I'm a I'm a nasty little cheater like that. Um, it's pretty quick to figure out how to do them. Do those treasure hunts, plug some stars into the treasures that you get and then sell those off. It's a great way to fund your your Indo, uh, your Indo spending. <laughs> hey, can I make a confession? Absolutely. I've never done one <laughs> for real, man. Uh, so to, to kind of provide the little insight to that, um, I, I told you that I've been playing this game for a very long time. Yeah, for sure. Back before Endo was used for it, you used other mods to upgrade your mods. Oh, okay. They gave us these things called fusion cores. Fusion cores are a thing that you don't really see nowadays because they don't really drop from anything. They're kind of a situation that they were given away for if a mod gets retired or something, which happens once every like four years. <laughs> um, uh, there have been very few situations, but fusion cores essentially were used to increase your weapons, uh, like your, your mods ranks and everything like that. Instead of using okay. endo fusion cores were retired. And when they were retired, all of the legendary cores and everything veteran players have were broken down into endo. I'm currently sitting on 43,000 endo that I don't know. What to do oh with. my gosh. That's awesome. I have been sitting on endo for, as long as the endo system has been in place and I'm sitting here like, I don't, I, I hear some of the people in my clan being like, Oh man, I, I've been having such an issue keeping up my endo input. And I'm just like, I, I wish I could help. That's hilarious. Well, that's, I mean, that's fantastic for you. And, and I definitely would say for me, I have not been struggling with endo ever since I got into my clan. And uh, ever since I started going after those sculptures, uh, it's really, it's you, it's a hill that you can conquer for sure. If that is a struggle that you're having. Uh, but hopefully you're in that same boat as Aronis is and you don't have to stress. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. So, um, but yeah, the, the, uh, the Iatan statues also make fun little decorations too i don't know if you for knew sure that you can actually put them in your ship and you can donate them to your clan hall so that they can use them as decorations yeah or or just be greedy like me it's <laughs> probably the best <laughs> so Aronis, do you have any last uh, advice for some space ninja buff boys that are looking to get stronger with the progression system um all i can really say is just keep plugging away at it um you're gonna find yourself looking at uh, mods that you really really want and don't be afraid to go out and trade for them a lot of the time mods are going to be one of the defining factors for you it's like i said before you just need to kind of play with the weapons figure out what they're strong at and work with them from there you know certain weapons are going to be better with certain mods certain weapons are going to be better with certain warframes certain weapons are going to be better at certain missions you know it's it's kind of playing it modular you want to keep your options open you want to have a lot of weapons in your arsenal to kind of adapt to the situations that you're going to be provided with and i would definitely say um when you get to the point too i i had kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the episode the riven mod system this is something that you Mm. will unlock in the story later Rivens are the key to making any weapon viable. You can get a Riven mod for just about any weapon that you think is low tier weapon that you're not going to ever use again. Hang on to those weapons because there's a chance that you might get a Riven that's going to make it amazing. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, Aronis, that was an excellent interview. I really enjoyed that and I think that'll be super helpful. So uh, thanks for giving your time and your voice to the podcast. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, I mean, I hope to be on the show again. This is a lot of fun to be able to talk about (laughs) that kind of stuff. 
Absolutely. All right, man. Well, you have a uh, an excellent week, and thanks again for joining us. There you have it, listeners. Hopefully that interview was helpful to you. Don't forget, as always, you can write into the show at nintendopodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash nintendopodcast. If you're interested in more of Eronis, you can check out his show Warframe Wednesdays every Wednesday night on twitch.tv slash realarcadiusboys. I know you may not be able to spell that, so I am plopping that URL right down in the episode description. Don't forget to go support Eronis. And as always, if you're interested in Dungeons and Dragons, you can check out my friend Adam's podcast where me and Adam and our friends get together and play Dungeons and Dragons. That podcast is called Wizard Tank, and you can find it on all your favorite podcasting platforms. We'll see you next Friday for another exciting episode of the show where I talk about a big milestone that I am about to reach in Warframe. But until then, keep on farming those frames.